Thank you all. Excited to be here. I would like to stand down there, but I think they want this recording here. And so, um, great to be with you. I know you might have looked in your uh, brochure or whatever guide, and you're expecting Rick Bizet and multi-site another way. He could not make it, so I am a substitute. I am very well-versed in standing on a stage when people were expecting a someone else. <laughs> I, I know the feeling. So Church of the Highlands, I preached you know, the first message that Pastor Chris did not preach, and maybe the second, third, fourth, and uh, uh, not once, not twice, multiple times I would get up after worship to preach, and people, just like that guy, gets up and walk out. And it wasn't funny. I can laugh now because it's 16 years later. But I got used to it. So if you don't want to hear from me and you want to get up and leave, I'm okay with that. My skin has grown thick. I'm good to go. And so this is not going to be multi-site another way. This is going to be multi-site the right way. All right? All right? So you just tell Pastor Rick I said that. That's what it is. So... uh, uh, I, I am really honored to get to share it. Uh, the art just asked me at the last minute, hey, can you fill in? And th- th- this is what I love. I was uh, uh, the first staff member, as he said, at Highlands. And, uh, and you need to know our journey of multi-site a little bit to, to really understand what I'm going to teach you. The story is actually important uh, because we, we planted our church 2001, February. So we're 16 and a half years old, almost 17 years old in a high school. We were in that high school for six and a half years. Uh, eventually, we, we uh, rented out or leased an office complex, uh, so we could, uh, we were officing out of our houses. Pastor Chris out of his house, me out of my house. We had these Highlands College students that would come to my house four days a week. God bless them, and uh, and it was just us, and there was nowhere to work. And so we finally did an office that we did our Wednesday night services, our youth services, and we worked out of that. And that office basically sat empty on Sundays. And so we grew in the high school to two full services, added a third service, and that service was very successful, and we stopped growing. There was no more uh, way to grow. We couldn't add services. The high school wouldn't allow us to do Saturday night. The high school wouldn't allow us to do Sunday night. We were maximizing the window that we had, uh, and and so we we just really kind of just completely stopped growing at about 2,500 people. At this time, uh, Highlands is maybe uh, four, maybe three, four years old. I get all the dates all mixed up. Pastor Greg Surratt, who truly founded the ark with Billy Hornsby in Charleston, he had gone multi-site. So by this time, they had three campuses, and it was working. And, and I, I had heard about these campuses, and we were kind of at this lid, and we're not going to be able to grow. And we, don't, we don't even have property. There's no building in sight. And so there's this great need to create seats. People literally sitting on the aisleways in the, in the high school. People in a choir room watching it on a horrible projector as overflow. Like we've got some serious seating problems. And, uh, and yet we have this office that we use everyone's in Has drums, has a projector, has a screen, has chairs, has toys in the nursery room. I mean, we have church in it, everyone's in And it's empty on Sundays. So I go to Pastor Chris and hey, why don't we do that multi-site thing? that Greg is doing, and we can use the office. I'll, I'll build a team. I, I'm just going to lead worship, and, and I, I was all excited. And, and he was like, kind of just like blew me off. He's like, no, no one will ever watch you on video. That's really funny. Because last Sunday we had 45,000 people at church, 
and he's speaking only in three services of 50-something services live. And so we're way bigger on video than we are in person. Okay, so it's kind of funny because uh, that was his reason. And so I, I'm like, I'm like, you remember Spike Bulldog and then had the little yagi dog like, come on, Spike, come on, come on, we can do this. That's me. That's Chris Bulldog. Like, yeah, he's just like, no, we're just gonna. And so, so I, I just kept nipping a little bit. I bring it up every few weeks, and I think out of just being frustrated with me and tired of hearing about multi-site. He finally said, well, we don't do anything without a proof model, so go to South Carolina, go to Seacoast, go to their services, and see what you think. And I come back, and I'm like, we got this. We can do this. And so, uh, whether you wanted to or not, we added multi-site, and, uh, and it wasn't a big, huge splash, but we moved about 100 people out of the high school, which opened up 100 seats, got people out of overflow, and, and then we went to two services, and, and even more people uh, came over, and then the high school stayed full, and yet then we, we grew this um, office complex to a few hundred people, a couple of services on Sundays. And so all in hopes to get a building. And then we will no longer be multi-site. Yeah, right. okay, so we don't have a multi-site vision. We have a multi-site need. This is very important, okay? And so uh, about a year and a half in, we're now uh, doing Saturday night services in that office. And then we're doing video services on Sunday in that office. And so the office is now running five or 600 people between Saturday night and Sunday. And a pastor of a church 25 minutes across town who actually planted it 25 years previous out of the same church Pastor Chris is from in that Rouge died reading his Bible. Just died. 60 years old. Died. Pastor Chris and didn't have a relationship, but they came out of the same church. He planted when Pastor Chris was a teenager, so they didn't know each other, but they knew they were from the same church. After his funeral, his wife called Pastor Chris, hey, you don't know who I am, and uh, I just wanted you to know our story, and my husband has died, Truett passed away a few weeks ago, and uh, I need to tell you about a conversation we had two months ago. We were talking about retirement and succession, and Truett said he didn't want to try to find a pastor to replace him. He would rather just call Chris Hodges and see if he would make it a campus. Two months wow. later, wow. Well, so Pastor Chris just completely blown away, moved by this, met with their board, and the board unanimously decided for us to take their church. Uh, his wife said, we want it to be a campus. We don't want you to sell the asset. As long as you make it a campus, you can have the church. 12 acres of land across the town of Birmingham, 280 seat auditorium, it's about half the size of this room, and, uh, and they had about 40 people coming to church, okay, so no staff members, no leadership transition issues or whatever, and, and, and then we open our now second campus, so we're in the office, which is 15 minutes away from the high school, now we have this church 25 minutes away from the high school, so now we're at three campuses, and we don't even have a permanent building, we don't own any land. Okay, so we have we have need created campus number one. We have opportunity that created campus number two. Okay, so that's that's kind of our journey. Campus two, I, I, I replace myself at campus one in the office. I go to campus two and I lead that for about a year and a half. And so now we've been multi-site for three years and we're getting our first building and we are no longer going to just shut everything down and move to one location. We are now a church with a multi-site vision. Okay, so we're gonna have the office and the high school move into our building and we're gonna keep the church across town, all 
Alright? And so now we're going to have two campuses. The Pastor Chris uh, Vision says, I would like to be in the, the two college towns in Alabama. Your football fans you know about Auburn and Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide. Number one. We're used to that. Alright. Anyways. Um, uh, so we have we have now we planted out of need, out of opportunity. Now for the first time we're gonna plant out of vision. He's like, I wanna I wanna reach young leaders, and the young leaders in our state are in those universities, so let's plant a campus in Auburn before we move into our building, and let's plant a campus in Tuscaloosa right after we move into our building so our church doesn't get focused on the building. It's just a brilliant vision we heard from the Lord, and so I no longer then led the campus but then started to oversee the whole vision of, of an implementation of the multi-site vision at Highlands. And so then we planted Auburn, we move into the building, we shut down the office and the high school moved into the building, and then we planted Tuscaloosa. Okay, so now we are four campuses, and one of them being a building. So that, that was our journey. Since that time, uh, we have added 12 campuses. We could possibly add four this coming year. Uh, so a year from now, we could have as many as 20 uh, campuses and, uh, and only one thing I could ever say to my pastor where I said, I told you so, is they watch him on the video. <laughs> it's awesome. It's really the only thing I could ever say I told you so. But anyways, uh, that, that's kind of our multi-site journey. So let, let me kind of give you some, some principles for you to uh, walk away with. This is very fresh. Uh, Jordan here helped me for the last five years develop our new campuses. And he's never even heard this because this all came this morning thanks to the Holy Spirit or uh, dinner last night. I don't know which one. We can kind of figure it out. <laughs> so I'm just going to give you kind of seven, uh, seven things that need clarity. So number one, uh, you need a clear objective. So what, what is your objective for multi-site? Is it need? Is it vision? Or is it opportunity? You, you need to know why you want to be multi-site. I am nervous if you're not multi-site and you say vision. That scares me a little bit. Multi-site is almost a fad now in, in the church world. And unfortunately, it has become a growth strategy, which I believe it is not. Okay. Oh, if, if we can go multi-site, we'll grow. Right. If we can add a campus, we'll start reaching people. If we, if we, if we. Yeah, right. And so I, I am honestly here in burst bubble, and I think that's the wrong reason to go multi-site. I, I, I believe if there is no need, you need to grow where you are first. So, so if you're not multi-service and filling up at least primetime services, I would not try to reproduce what you have. In other words, if you have a restaurant that never fills up, don't open another one. Yeah. Okay? I know I'm speaking very boldly and bluntly and rudely, but I, I feel responsible because, because there are so many failing campuses now, it is not good for the church. Because people, people visit those campuses and then may never come back because they had a bad experience. So, so if, you, if, if you don't have a need, 
I would say work until you have a need. Like, yeah. like grow what you have until you have a need to have another one. Don't reproduce something that's not growing, okay? So you have to have a clear objective. And there is nothing wrong with, with, with vision say, okay, we want to be in another city. We want to, I mean, they're going to, from New York, we got Liberty Church planning from New York all the way to San Francisco across the country. That's awesome. That is great vision, but they already have successful campuses in New York City. Yeah. Okay. So, so just, just, just know that you have a clear objective. Number two, your church needs to have a clear vision. And I'm not talking about multi-site vision. I'm talking about a clear vision. Yeah. Because a lot of churches, you could, you could just walk in and find the volunteers or, unfortunately, some staff members say, what's the vision of the church? And they all give you a good answer, but they give you a different answer. And that's not good. Because if your vision is not clear enough, it will definitely be money even worse if you duplicate it. Okay? So you have to have a church with a clear vision before you add another one somewhere else. Because it's harder to keep people on the same page if they don't know what the vision is. So... Uh, at Highlands, we, we, if you read the uh, read Four Cups, I encourage you to read Four Cups by Pastor Chris. That's the vision of our yeah, church. It's, yes. it's not right. our vision for our church. It's what we believe is God's vision for His church. Yeah, that's right. And it's four things that we would help people know God, help them find freedom, help them discover their purpose so they can make a difference. That's the vision. You walk into Highlands, you find somebody that's been there more than two Sundays, they can probably tell you the vision. Because we say it, we spray it, we paint it, we stick it, we talk about it. It's so simple. It's very, very clear. So it's easier to replicate something that's clear. Right. Okay, so you, you need to have a church with clear vision. Pastor Chris will talk a lot more about that tomorrow morning. Okay, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. You need to have clear values. This is equally or more important than the clear vision. Now, our church does not know the values of, of, of our, our church. Our, our values are for our staff, for our leadership. Yeah. And they need to be very clear because, once again, we're going to replicate this. What, what are our values at Highlands? I'll give you, they're four, very simple. You probably have similar values. Love God. Love people. Pursue excellence. Choose joy. It's simple. It's clear. Once again, it's easier to reproduce when it's clear, when you can remember it. And so you, what you don't want is, is, is multiplying fogginess is <laughs> not good. You, you, it's better to multiply clarity. Okay. And so you need, you need clear values. And that drives number four, which is a clear culture, which once again, that our church attenders don't know the culture of our church. They don't know what that is. And so where does the culture come from? Clear culture comes from clear values. Vision does not drive culture. Values does. Vision doesn't drive culture. Values drive culture. So how, how, do, how do values drive culture? It's, it's because values... Our, our, uh, our culture, as Brian Houston says, can't, can't be taught. You can't teach culture. You have to be culture. Yeah. My way of saying that is culture has to be demonstrated. So culture is created by demonstrating values. And so if we can have clear values, it is easier to reproduce culture when those values are demonstrated. Okay, so love for God. We'll just pick the first one. All of us, hopefully you love God. It's awesome. We all love God in a different way, probably. 
Some of us are a little bit more demonstrative in our worship, hooping, hollering, clapping, shouting. Some of us a little bit more reserved, a little more calm in our worship. Neither is better than the other. But one demonstrates a love of God, and one does not. So if you're going to create culture, you have to demonstrate values, not personality. So my personality is to worship like this. If everybody in the room is doing what I'm doing, is that a good thing? See, because I'm, my, I, I am being culture, but I am yet not demonstrating the value. I hope this is making sense to you. I was in Hillsong, London last, last Sunday. So I was working with them, working with some of these issues. And the, and the most amazing thing when you go to Hillsong is the culture. Yeah. And the most amazing thing about the culture is it's the same in Sydney as it is in London, as it is in Cape Town. And that blows your mind. It's the same as it is in LA. It's like, what in the world? How do they do that? And I would say because they demonstrate their values. Yes. I went to three campuses last Sunday in London, all more than an hour drive apart in the same crazy city. The roads are so jacked up. I mean, we were in the car for like five hours to go to three campuses. I mean, one campus is in a nasty warehouse and in, a, in, a, in, a, in just in a like warehouse district. One one campus is in this nice uh, event center in a, in a really wealthy neighborhood, and the other campus is right downtown downtown London, the Dominion Theater, which is a Broadway theater, like red velvet walls kind of thing. Completely different locations, completely different demographics, absolutely the same culture. Yeah. Because they demonstrate their values. Yes. And so as, as, as leaders, we can't just have values. We have to demonstrate the values. We can't demonstrate something that is not clear to us. Okay, so, so having clear vision, having clear values, having clear culture. So our culture is our, our staff demonstrating our values, and so it's easy to replicate. And so at Highlands, we have nine portable campuses. We're in high schools. We're in, in uh, uh, a junior high school. One of our, our high schools, we're in the gymnasium. The other high schools, we're in an auditorium. Uh, the middle school, we're in a gymnasium. We're in a civic center, like a YMCA type thing, in a gymnasium in one campus. We've been in conference centers. I mean, the, the, the venues could not be more different. But the culture is exactly the same. And that is driven by demonstrating values. Number five got to have clear leadership now we're going to get to some of the things that you were actually coming for but the other things i think are very important that's why i gave them first clear leadership pastor chris says it this way you cannot let vision outpace leadership so you have a multi-site vision you're going to go take an opportunity it could be an opportunity or a need whatever but you're going multi-site and you're excited about it you, you, you have the worship team, you have the volunteers, you have the location, you have the money, everything is awesome, we're going to launch this campus, yet you don't have the leader. Yeah. Never let vision outpace leadership. You have to have the clear leader. We, we made this mistake once really, really bad, and it was in the first vision campus, interestingly enough, Tuscaloosa. Um, or a second vision campus when we went Auburn and Tuscaloosa after we added the the, uh, uh, the building. 
we basically had everything lined up. I, I found I found the facility. Everything. We had this one guy on our on our volunteer team, great guy. Had been a pastor in other church. He kept saying, "I want to be the campus pastor. I'll, I love the city. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go." And friends like, I don't know if he's a guy. Well, launch day had been announced. Equipment had been purchased. Trailers were loaded. Oh, we don't have a leader. He's over in the corner. He's like. <laughs> so finally, we're just like, must be the leader. We launched with 600 September. That campus just turned 10 this last, this, this last Sunday. And so 10 years ago, we launched in September with over 600 people. November comes around, whatever that is, like 10 weeks, I don't know. 80 people. <laughs> Yours truly became a campus pastor the next Sunday. <laughs> I mean, literally, almost just completely lost the campus. Thought maybe it was a training issue. So I'm like, hey, man, so we didn't fire him. We're like, it's our fault, man. We're leaders. We're going to own up to it. Hey, come alongside me. Let me lead this thing for a few months. Let, let me give you better training. So got the campus up to about 200, 250, and kind of passed the baton back to him. Immediately started going down again. Oh, what in the world? So we ended up putting an interim uh, pastor there for a year. Stayed 250, 300. And then the worship leader who had been there from day one as a volunteer was clearly the right guy. Put him as the campus pastor. Went from 300 to 600 in six months. Grew 100%. 600 to 1,200 in the next year. And Jimmy's been there ever since. That campus is now over 4,000 people. That was 80 people 10 years ago, okay? Everything rises and falls on leadership. We blew it. We put the wrong leader in place. Well, well, who's the right leader? Okay, there, 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 it really comes down to two things in my mind, okay? There, there are other factors, but, but let me tell you the two that we messed up on. And what I am looking for in campus pastors these next four campuses that we're going to launch, I'm looking for a gatherer. Haven't found the personality test that'll show you. Like, I haven't found the, the spiritual gifts profile that'll show you. You have to watch people to find out who's a gatherer. Yeah. In the foyer, there's just people around them. There's usually laughter around them. Yeah. If they want to watch the Mayweather fight, people go to their house or their apartment. Like, they, that when they do something, people go do something with them. They have this uh, magnetism, this charisma. They have personality. They can draw people. They can, they can, they can create a gathering. Okay, so that, that didn't exist in the guy that we put in place. The guy we put in place, amazing pastor. Amazing pastor. Knew everybody's name, all 80 of them. <laughs> Would spend hours at Starbucks with one person. Is the perfect pastor that you want in the hospital when somebody's dying. Like, he was a wonderful pastor, but he wasn't a gatherer. And he wasn't the second thing either. And the second thing we look for is empowering team builder. That's good. Not a team builder. Empowering team builder. Because some people can build a team, but they can't give ministry away. We can't have that at Church of the Highlands. We have to give all ministry away. So we have to have an empowering team builder. This guy, once again, amazing pastor. Couldn't gather, couldn't build a team. There was no team. to give it away too, right? So... So those are the two kind of primary factors that we're looking for. Obviously, they got to learn stage. But if you have a gatherer and an empowering team builder, you can teach that. Okay, so, um, and so those are the kind of the two things we're looking for in leadership. So we have to have a, a clear leader 
for the campus. So since that day, we, we, we learned, and we will not launch a campus, period, without a campus pastor that is the right pastor. Not like, oh, hey, Jordan, why don't you lead this one until we find the right guy? No, we just wait. Yeah. Oh, we signed a contract with the high school. Pay the money. Rent it. Like, we'll do whatever, but we are not launching the campus without the right leadership in place. Okay, so um, that, that's extremely, extremely important. What is the leadership underneath the campus pastor? We have a, a team of seven that serves under a campus pastor. Uh, we have campuses that have, have, have literally very few or if not no paid staff. Okay, so, but we call this the staff of the campus. And so these are seven uh, very important positions to us that when we launch a campus, we will have all these positions filled, whether they're volunteer, part-time pay, or full-time pay. With a new campus, really very few, maybe one or two of these positions would be full-time pay. The campus pastor is most definitely full-time pay to launch a campus. It is a, it is a senior pastor level undertaking, and so to have somebody doing it part-time or as a volunteer, uh, you're limiting your growth before you ever have your first service. Okay, so uh, I, would, I would say if you can't pay a campus pastor, I would not go, go multi-site until you could. Uh, but here's, here's the seven leadership roles that we have under the campus pastor. Uh, we call them directors. So we have a small groups director. We don't use the word volunteer, so we have a dream team director. We have a worship director. We have a production director. We're, we're video uh, driven, okay, so every Sunday it's video, okay, so that's a very key role. We have a kids director, a student's director, and an admin director. So seven staff underneath the campus pastor, and I say staff even if they're volunteer, okay? I want you to, to see the picture of what it takes to run a campus, so we treat them as staff. We have a weekly staff meeting with that group of people. Well, for several of our campuses, they're not paid, or some of them are not paid, so that staff meeting has to happen in the evening because they have jobs. And so we adjust that based on the team that we have. So this, this, this coming campus that we'll launch next, our Oxford campus, has a full-time paid campus pastor. He's already in place. We will hire a full-time worship leader who is not yet in place. If we do not have the worship leader that does not hold up the campus because our worship team has enough depth that they can send a worship leader. Okay, so, so our worship pastor has to say, yes, I can send people. Does, we don't have to hold up the campus because we don't know the person, if that makes sense. Um, uh, we will uh, uh, name a volunteer that will be the small group director or the dream team director. Uh, uh, worship and kids are usually the first to get paid. Those are kind of, if you want to know, kind of an order. Our student directors are almost all, all volunteer. Um, our, our admins are usually kind of part-time. And, and you're like, well, why is the admin a director? Because every person I gave you is responsible to build teams, even an admin. So we have a volunteer-driven church. Highlands just last, the, this last few months crossed over 19,000 volunteers serving our church. We have a very small staff, very small. 22% of last year's income went to staffing. I mean, it's very small because all these people see the worship director is not just responsible for worship. He's responsible for all the volunteers that pull off worship. Yeah. 
the production director is not just responsible for push and play on a video or, or taking care of a live stream. He's responsible for a volunteer team that can do those things. The admin director is responsible. We actually have a team that you can serve on at Highlands called the A-Team. They're the admin team. There are people in our church. We learned it from this church. I was with uh, Mike Bodine here six or seven years ago when they, they, they just when everything crashed here in 08. They just, so many people didn't have work. They just started volunteering at the church, working in the office. Their staff became a volunteer staff. And I'm like, that's brilliant. Yeah. And so we have admin people that work in our offices as volunteers under the admin directors. So, so these directors aren't just responsible. They're not just thinking of their kids' curriculum. They're thinking of all the volunteers and caring for all the volunteers. I want you to, to get that picture, okay? So those are the seven leadership roles that we have under a campus pastor. Our largest campus runs 9,000 on a Sunday. Our smallest campus uh, runs about 600 on a Sunday. It's the exact same structure. Now, the campus with 9,000, those are all paid people full-time. The campus with 600, they're almost all volunteer. A couple of them are part-time pay. Just, I just want to paint a scaled picture. We want to have something that's scalable and reproducible. We'll do questions. If you want to write yours down, we'll, we'll do some. Uh, I'm going to get through this very quickly. And so, so what we don't want to do at Highlands, because of GROW, what we're going to talk about tomorrow, we don't want to do stuff that, that takes lots of money to pull off or only we can do because we're such a big church. We want everything to be scalable. Yeah. So our structure is scalable at the volunteer level to make sure that you can do it, regardless of the size of the church that you have. So that's the kind of the leadership structure, if you will. The bigger the campus, the more people serve under those leaders. Um, and, and we can cover that more in Q&A. Number six, clear responsibilities. Clear responsibilities. So not just the campus pastor, but every one of those seven people, they have clear responsibilities. They know what their goal is. They know where the touchdown is. They know how, what direction we're pulling the rope in the tug of war of ministry. Like, like everybody knows what their responsibilities are. Obviously, they all have responsibilities in their lane of, of area, worship, or kids, or students. But because we have clear vision, everybody has responsibility for the whole. So what, so what that looks like is we pastor our church through small groups. Okay? So even, even the production director knows that we pastor our church through small groups. So he's not just trying to pull out production. He's also trying to get people in small groups. So we, we, we have a small group director. So, oh, that's his job. No, it's all of our job. Because remember the vision. Our vision is we can services for people to know God. It's small groups for them to find freedom. It's our growth track to help them discover purpose. And our dream team is so they can make a difference. So all of those roles are pulling all four areas. Does that make sense? They have a responsibility for the whole. Not We don't want silos. Oh, I'm just student ministry, just student small groups. No, if the student director meets an adult in the foyer and has a conversation, that student director can say, hey, have you, have you found a small group? Oh, no, I haven't. Oh, let me help you get in a small group. Everybody has responsibilities for the whole vision of the church. The campus pastor's responsibilities, obviously, the whole vision. To make sure that the vision is being uh, pushed forward, that it's clear on his team. And, and basically for us, the campus pastor is a senior pastor. He just doesn't preach. Now, sometimes they have to preach. We had a feed go down at one campus a couple weeks ago, and Brandon had to go preach it. Uh, so all of our campus pastors have to be ready to step on the stage if something goes wrong. 
Okay. Uh, so, but preaching is not a responsibility to have week in and week out, just being prepared uh, to handle it in case of a technical uh, issue. Uh, but they are really the senior pastor of that entire congregation. So they're responsible for all four parts uh, of the vision. So that, that has to be uh, clear. So they're, they're clearly responsible for uh, carrying out the vision and they are clearly responsible for demonstrating the values. Okay, so the culture is their responsibility, not just the campus pastor, but the staff. Um, and then you have to have clear accountability. This is where it gets tricky. The quick and easy way to look at multi-site is franchise. Okay, we're going to take what we do, and we're going to do it over and over again. Simple approach makes sense until you get in it. Here's the problem with church versus franchise. So uh, use Starbucks as an example. The general manager of a Starbucks location can do every position on his staff. Typically better than all of them. So he's the best barista, he's the best at cleaning up, he's the best at fixing the machine. He can do everything that the people that work for him can do. He can teach them, he can correct them, he can do their job. Church is not that way. Church is more of a matrix organization, meaning there are specialists that have responsibilities that their leader has no idea how to fill fill those responsibilities. Now, every campus pastor probably has a secondary skill set, and it could be in any particular area. We have three campus pastors who are the worship leader at their campus. It's amazing. I mean, I'm jealous. When I was a campus pastor, I got like four minutes on the stage, and they're out there leading spiritually for 20 minutes. So they, they have a better connection with the people. It's amazing. So, so those three campus pastors have very clear input into their worship director because they understand it. They have expertise there, but they probably don't know how to use the computer that is bringing in a live feed, and something goes wrong. They're looking at it like, oh. You know, so, so how are they to have expertise in kids' ministry and student ministry and, and worship ministry and production? You can't. In a matrix organization, you have to have a, a central expert. As, this is central church, so they don't use the term central. They call it global. They, so they have a global expert in worship and students. So we, we have global experts that have responsibility to help their area at every campus. Okay? So we have to understand the accountability. It's hard for a worship leader to be accountable to me as a campus pastor when I don't even know the difference between C and D. Like, I don't have a clue. Like, I, I don't know anything about instruments, anything about notes, nothing. So, so how can I really provide accountability to the worship team when I have no expertise there? Are, you guys are following me. Yeah. Yeah. So here comes the great tension of multi-site. The worship leader works 25 minutes away in a campus with a campus pastor, but the campus pastor has no idea how to do what they do. So who does the worship leader work for? Who do they report to? Who do they really listen to? Okay? And so I'll just share our journey and let you kind of land where you want to land, and we'll uh, uh, get to Q&A. So the journey for us was centralized, meaning the worship pastor is the clear leader and clear accountability, the direct report for the worship leaders at every campus. The kids pastor is the clear leader, clear accountability, clear trainer, 
Clear the director report for the kids' leaders of every team. You guys need to point. All of them. All of them. Okay. Yes, the directors. So the, the department head, John Larson for us, who's on keys, leading worship, is over all worship. So those, if you have three campuses, those three worship directors report to John, not to the campus pastor. Okay, so that you have what that's what we would call central control. So central is controlling their department at every campus. Works great. Keeps keeps quality. Uh, keeps clarity. Everything's working good. John can manage these three these three worship leaders. The campus pastor is, is caring for people and, and leading the vision and working closely with his worship director on Sundays. But but really, he's not approving time off. He's not. He's. I mean, the, the, the worship leader at his campus doesn't work for him. Right. Right. He works for the worship pastor. The student leader, the student director, doesn't work for the campus pastor. He works for the student pastor. You guys. So that's central. Works amazing, and, it, and and that's how we let it. Five, six, seven, eight campuses. Tension starts to build. But now John has got eight worship leaders, and he's the worship leader at our biggest campus. He's got all this responsibility, all these people, eight campuses. It gets a little overwhelming. Same thing for kids. Same thing for students. All of a sudden, your department heads start getting stretched out. And this might not apply to you guys. I don't want to get. I don't want to talk a lot about big, multi, you know, like lots of campuses. But but you need to make your decision early as to what journey you will take. I think it will help you, okay, uh, to know which direction you'll go. And so tensions really start to build. I believe in about eight, nine campuses. Like, like then there's the, 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 the department heads trying to oversee all these people, and you have campuses two, two and a half hours away. It gets very difficult. So when you're in Auburn, you live two hours from your boss. That's tough. And that's who approves your time off. That's who's supposed to be teaching you and training you, but he barely can come down because he's got eight other campuses to go to. You see the problem. So then the worship pastor, John, hires somebody to help him. That's in corporate called middle management. So now you have a middle manager helping the leader manage all these other people. And so now you have a campus pastor who's really ultimate. If, if, if the campus goes south, who's, who's going to meet with Pastor Chris? It ain't the worship leader. It's the campus pastor. So he's carrying all the responsibility, but he has no authority over his team. And I don't know about any leaders in the room, but most leaders don't like not having authority. Yeah. <laughs> So I have, I have all the responsibility, but yet no authority. All the authority rests on all the department heads. And really not even the department heads, now middle manager. So now this guy that is not even the guy is equal to me. Wow. Leading people on my staff, telling them when they can be off and when they can. Do you see the tension? Yeah. One, one simple example. This is true, okay? This is a campus, very large, several thousand people. We have a fixed building. And, and the campus pastor sees a scratch down the wall and kid there or something like that. Goes to the facilities guy who reports two hours away to the head of the facilities. Says, hey man, can you fix that scratch down the kids hall? The guy's like, no, 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 I'll get it. A couple minutes later, the facilities guy comes back to the campus pastor. He's like, you know what, bro? I, I, I'm really uncomfortable because I've never worked anywhere where my peer told me what to do. So this is the facilities guy at the campus telling the campus pastor he's a peer. And the reason he's a peer in this guy's mind is he works for the guy that's two hours away. And the campus pastor works for land. So we're just peers. We're both working for global, for central. 
Are you guys following this? Yeah. Ooh, that's not good. <laughs> you can see the problem that's created. So then we get to 10, 11 campuses. Now we have multiple middle managers trying to, to visit campuses and lead these leaders and the, and the tension got unbearable. And so at 12 campuses, we switched from central control to decentralized control. Basically, we shifted authority. So authority, a year and a half ago at Highland, shifted to the campus pastor. Now they have the responsibility and the authority. Every director underneath them reports directly to them, yet they get support, training, resources, budgeting from the department. So the departments can actually have less people in them, and we can, and we can staff the campuses better. Because what was happening is we're hiring all these middle managers. We're creating a big corporate office to go control all these campuses. And so we were getting really fat in the central government, and the states had nothing, okay? And so, so we decentralized the year and a half, it was amazing. And so now, the, because the John, the worship pastor, is not approving time off for 16 worship leaders, he can focus on the vision of worship for our church, and they meet weekly. All the worship leaders meet with John every week. They work on sets together. They get to, they get to, they get to live the ministry life together, but then they don't work for John. You guys see the, the difference? And so that, that was a huge shift for us. And I actually liked our journey. I think central early is good. I think maybe going a little earlier to decentralize might have helped us a little bit. But it, I'm glad we had the journey that we did. If anything, just to help you understand where we are and how we got there. And, uh, and, and so there's just different approaches. I think it'll help you process that. Let me tell you some very specific things that you will ask before we go to Q and A. Um, what do you? What? What, what kind of? We, we we got to the point where we wanted some some very objective markers before we launched a campus. Instead of let's go there. <laughs> like like what? What, what kind of dictates where a campus or when a campus can be launched for us? So we, we basically have a green light, yellow light, red light check on all of these. We we have to have a location or we can't launch campus, that's pretty obvious. We have to have a, a campus pastor. Now, don't put this in the context of directors, okay? Because all the directors are not listed, because you'd think I would just go to the seven directors. Okay, the ones that would stop us from being able to launch a campus would be worship, production, kids, Dream team, small group, and one of them is not a director, audio, can't launch campus, we don't have an audio engineer. So any of those being read, we can't go. Now that doesn't mean they're, they're the permanent person for that campus, that only has to be the campus pastor. So our kids' leadership centrally can supply a kids' leader at a campus, and we will launch the campus even if they're driving two hours every Sunday. It won't hold up a, a launch, but we have to have that person um, there. And then finances. Can't launch a campus without the money. Cheapest campus we ever launched, which would have been Auburn 10 years ago, cost us about 50000 The most expensive campus we ever launched would be Huntsville, and that cost us about 800000 and that's because the school didn't have the electricity in the building for us to do lights or sound. So we, we actually donated to the school a lot of work and a lot of money in the infrastructure. Um, uh, and then we would like to have an exit strategy just to know that we wouldn't be per permanently portable. Um, 
So those are kind of those all have to go green for us to launch campus. Location, campus pastor, worship, production, kids, next step or dream team, small group, audio, money, finances, and exit. Those all go green. That's when we put a launch date. And that's when we tell the church. So that all went green for Oxford. Pastor Chris told the church two weeks ago that we're launching Oxford February 4th, 2018. Here are the factors of where we go. So that's what has to happen to, to set a launch date. But, but how do we look at where we go? We use our database, um, which is gold to us. We have a connection card that we've encouraged people to fill out every Sunday for 16 and a half years. So that builds the database. So we, we know where people live and, and uh, who comes to church. And so we collect that. We, we, even if they visit one time, it's in the database. So we look for households. How many households are in that area? So if we think we want to go to Oxford, Alabama, we're going to run a report on how many households are in Oxford. We're going to look for individuals because that's a different number. That's usually a higher, higher number. A household could have eight people. And if our database separates it, we're going to print it out and we're going to know what that is. We look for, for Dream Team. We, Oxford's an hour away from Birmingham, but we have... 80 people on our dream team that are driving an hour? That tells us a lot about going there with a campus. Uh, uh, Givers, like how many people are are actually giving to the church, whether it's a dollar a year or a a large amount, like the the database will tell us, okay, that area, wow, we have 100 different people in that area that have been giving uh, at some point throughout the year. And so that helps us know where we were going to go. And then especially small groups. Oxford already had like 10 small groups meeting there, and it's an hour away from Birmingham. That, that's like, it's like, wow, we probably should consider that. Um, and then how many people are attending those small groups? 10 small groups with two people each is different than 10 small groups with 10 people each, right? So we look at that. And then we'll look at our online users. So we can, we can look up how, where IP addresses, where people are logging in, and that would help us know if that's the right area uh, to launch a campus. And then when choosing a location, here's, here's a list for location. Rental cost, launch cost. Now, we're, we're portable. Our, our, our strategy is portable. We always try to go portable. We've only not launched portable when the pastor died. That was not a portable launch. In our Auburn campus, we couldn't find a portable, so we rented uh, an old furniture store. So only two of our campuses ever started not portable. So, so we wanted the rental cost and the launch cost. How many seats? How many parking spaces? And how many kids? Here's why every location has a lid. And this applies to building a new building for your church. The lid is either going to be how many cars can park there, how many kids can be taken care of there, or how many people can sit in the the auditorium. And you need to know the lid. Because, oh, we found this high school. It has 1,500 seats. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, but it has 100 parking spots. So, so, So welcome to having... 80 people in a 1,500-seat auditorium. And it's not because of your church. It's because of the parking lot. So you've, got to, you've got to know your lid. Right. So we look at that data. We've got to make sure 
that, that, that it, it all fits. Like the lowest minimum factor is not going to be lower than what we would want it to be. Sometimes the minimum factor is how many kids. We're looking into doing our first movie theater. We've never done movie theater, and that's what scares us, is, is how many kids we can put in the, basically the floor of the front of a movie theater. It's very challenging. And so the, the, the floor is not going to be the mall. I mean, it's not the parking lot. Yeah. You can put 2,000 cars there, and it's not the 460 seats in the room. It's how many kids are we going to be able to take care of. That's going to be the lid. Okay. I hope that was a good outline, but yeah. hopefully we're, we're ready. Um, I don't think we need microphones. Uh, just, just stand up, sir. We'll start with you. You had to get up during the... Uh, and so uh, just, just go for it. And Jordan might answer some of our questions for us because he's worked with me for five years and all that stuff. Yeah, maybe this is a thing that I want to so Dream Team is the name of our volunteers. We don't use the word volunteer. We think it has a negative context to it, a context to it, and people feel like they have to do something, but they feel guilty to do it. So Dream Team is a positive way. It's a volunteer. Yes? Does Pastor Chris ever go to another <coughs> Great question. Statement or principle. Whatever you build it on, you have to maintain it on it. So if you're going to launch a campus, and Pastor Chris is going to be like, oh, I'm going to go preach there the first Sunday. And then he ain't there the second Sunday. You disappoint a lot of people. So for us, he never goes to campuses at the beginning and never preaches at campuses. Um, so, so absolutely not for us. We're a video model. And so now he, he has visited campuses. Um, and, and that is actually something I don't think he's going to do anymore. Um, because people, they, they, they think it's about him. He doesn't like the attention of, oh, I want to meet Pastor Chris. He's very uncomfortable. He's very humble. And very, he, he doesn't want to show up at campus and just have all these people, oh, Pastor Chris, you're kind of like it's a big deal. So he really just stays away. And, uh, and we obviously have way more people attending church behind him where he never is than where he is. And so uh, whatever you, principle is whatever you build it on, you got to maintain it. We have an art planter. Against our recommendation, have Lincoln Brewster lead worship on first Sunday. Uh, that church no longer exists. Wow. Had over 600 people show up for launch. It was Christians from other churches wanting to bring Yeah. So you just got to, whatever you're building on, you have to Yes. Yes, yeah, so um, questions around the decentralizing. Um, we asked if by kind of inverted and did decentralizing that verse without one site. So we have this major issue now in reference with our, more specifically our student ministry, our student director and our student pastor, um, trying to take the DNA of our actual of our main campus per se and transition it to our, our other campus. There's like a, a tension between them both where they well the student pastor and the director um, kind of on the same page. And the student pastor can't really say much to the director because the director is getting overseen by the campus pastor. So sure. uh, we're, I'm, we're trying to figure out. You guys hear a question? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that goes back to vision. That's why I said vision at the beginning. So so you have you have you have two visions within your church. Our church has one vision. So our student ministry has the same vision as the church. So that won't happen for us because we all are on the same vision. Like we don't have a student ministry vision and a church vision, a kids vision and a church vision. It's all the same. So the vision, so so he just described a vision problem, not a logistics problem or a structure problem. That's a vision problem, and that's where I would address it at the vision level. 
Yes, ma'am. I have two questions. So I know a lot the of the first one to get all answers said. <laughs> You hear that? Okay, well, campus pastors have a, a, a gifting and, and, a, and a desire to preach. So how do you handle that in a video-oriented model? Okay, first of all, we do not elevate preaching. So we don't celebrate messages. Our campus pastors do get to preach from time to time. They preach from the main campus to the whole church. But we're not like, oh, you're great. Like, we don't, we don't celebrate that. So we don't emphasize it. We don't celebrate it. We, we, we don't think that the church is only the church because of Chris Hodges preaching. Okay, so we, we're very careful with how we can talk about communication. Now, now most preaching gifted people, um, that, that, that would be a, a gift of calling on God. You, you have to walk through that with them. Maybe they need to go plant a church in our model. But we have gifted communicators on our team, but they love leading more than they love preaching. We're giving them the opportunity to lead 4,000 people. And they're on stage every Sunday. They're communicating. They're just not having to spend 30 hours a week studying. They get to spend all their time leading. Okay, so, uh, however, following the Life Church model, we have Sundays, specific Sundays a year that they do get to preach at their campus. The lowest Sunday attendance of the year. So, 4th of the July weekend, they all preach at the games. Uh, this coming year, New Year's, uh, New Year's Eve, the Sunday, right? So, the 31st is going to be a low Sunday, they're all preaching. Um, uh, we, we uh, in May, uh, uh, for us, Memorial Day is one of the lowest attended Sundays of the year. The last two years, stole it from Life Church, Young Communicator Sunday. We put people that have never preached ever on every stage, every campus, every service. And so, we are developing communicators. But we don't celebrate any games. And our guys, uh, we have prayer every Saturday that's broadcast at every location. So it's done from our main campus stage and broadcast. So uh, we also do 21 days of prayer that is broadcast every January for three weeks and every August for three weeks. And campus pastors are, are speaking. And we, we're now at you know, five, 6,000 people at prayer at 6 a.m. So they're doing a little 10-minute talk of prayer, and they're speaking to 5,000 people. So our, our, none of our guys are like, oh, I wish I could preach more. Like, I'm being held down. I'm being oppressed by the <laughs> Like, no. Like, like it's just not what they're aspiring to. What's really funny, our, our, I think Blake's our greatest communicator, and he hates to preach. And he's, he just gets to that. He gets on the stage, and everybody just wants to do what he said. And, uh, and, and, but he has no desire. And it's not because he doesn't like communicating. It's because he doesn't like studying. He didn't, want, he didn't like the preparation time, so he makes a great campus pastor. Uh, so, next question. You did really good. Thanks. So, um, you didn't really talk about the financial side of collections at campus. Yeah, great. So, the financial side of our campuses, uh, every, every offering that is received has a police officer and, and someone from central accounting uh, that's there that will then take that uh, offering back to our central location. That's for our Birmingham campuses. Uh, our, our campus pastors that are out of town, uh, they have a police officer and a volunteer uh, that oversee the, the putting the offering into a, a locked bag that the campus pastor doesn't have uh, a, a key to. And then when he comes to our campus pastor meeting uh, throughout the week, it's usually Wednesdays, he will drive that. And so the offering at the out-of-town campuses is counted with the next Sunday's offering. 
for the week delay on the out-of-town campuses. The in-town campuses, it's literally our accounting department gets that money in. Our, we're up to almost 70% online, so it's becoming less and less a part of what we do. Uh, as far as the money from each campus, we track everything. We know every dollar that comes into every campus. We know every dollar that is spent on every campus. But we do not hold campuses back based on giving. So we're not holding a campus, okay, Auburn, with all these students that have no money. <laughs> you don't get a building until you hit $2 million in giving. We don't do that. So they don't have their own budget. So they, they, they do not have, they, they, their vision of their campus is not held back by a budget. Gotcha. So, so the whole church, we, we view it, we have one house we're adding rooms to, so we don't hold, we, we, have, we have one paycheck, we have one checking account. And when it's time to add a bedroom, we add, not because they paid for it, because we're one house. And so, so Auburn got a, a 23 acres of land and a $20 million, all that happened because the whole church paid for it, not because Auburn gave, because those kids don't have the money, and it was majority students. And so we don't uh, we don't hold the campuses back based on their giving. All right. Yes. So if um, say Pastor Chris is going to be gone and you have a guest speaker, or do you encourage guest speakers at the other campuses? I know you video stream everything from the main. The question is, if we have a guest speaker at the main campus, would it be broadcast, or would we have guest speakers at all the campuses? Absolutely not. We've never had guest speakers at campuses. We are one church, one message. If somebody is speaking at the campus, it is only the campus pastor. Um, uh, or a young communicator on Memorial Day. Gotcha. <laughs> yep. What does your central financial team consist of? So the, the central financial team, obviously for us, is, is quite large because of the, the amount of, of people coming to our church. Uh, but it, in the early days, it was, I mean, it was Pastor Bruce's father who was our, our administrator, and so it was a small team. Volunteers come in and count offerings on Mondays. Um, and so we have a counting room that is full of green team. And, uh, and then as the church grows and the budget grows, obviously, I mean, we, we have a, a quite an a intricate structure of purchase orders, purchase requests, because of the amount of money that we're making now. Uh, but it's very, very simple. It's just scaled out. So that's part of your admin director's team of people? Uh, no, so at the campus level, there is nobody handling finances. Okay, so that, that is not even in the, that's central. At the campus level, there's nobody coming up with videos. There's nobody creating things. That's all done essentially. We make one video, it goes to every campus. Yeah. It has to stay neutral. So our growth track at one campus might happen at 1 o'clock and at another at 6 o'clock. So the video is going to promote the growth track and at the end say, your campus pastor will give you details after the service. And so, so, so you, you become much more efficient. That's the beauty of, of, of multi-site is you have one creative team making 17 churches work. And you have one accounting team counting 17 churches' money. And you have uh, one HR director taking care of employees for 17. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. so it gets, the, the, the more it scales out, the more efficient it becomes. And so those departments would be central only departments. So we, we don't have creative departments at every campus. We have one. We don't have accounting departments. We have one. Uh, we don't have an HR department at every campus. We have one, I think. I think you guys get it. Yes, sir. Are your sermons live or pretty work? Okay, delivery. That's a great question. I didn't put that in. Um, so all, all of our uh, messages from the beginning are have always been like literally like same day. So in the early days, we, we used a car to deliver the message. So Pastor Chris would preach at 8 o'clock. 
We would record it on two, mini, two, two, two formats. Back then it was a mini DV camera and a VHS. <laughs> <laughs> he would preach the egg, we'd pull them out of the machines, drive them over to the other location where I was the campus pastor, put them in the machines, rewind them, cue them up, and when it was time for the message, they would hit play on the VHS, and they would hit play on the mini DV deck, and if the message started messing up, they would literally pull the cord out of the back of the DV deck and stick it in the back of the VHS. Like, that's how technologically advanced we were when we launched multi-site. And so we, we had new satellite, uh, uh, and, and that, that worked, it's very expensive, um, and, and basically now we just use internet. And internet's become more efficient. There's, uh, we use a company called Coolabyte, uh, where all of our, our message goes live into their whatever, this is out of my technological world, and, uh, and they have basically DDR, and so then when it's coming back down to us, we can pause it. And so we are actually live delay, is the way I would say what we do at Heinz. What that means is we're just using the internet. Not, it doesn't have to be fiber, it doesn't have to be super fast because Coolabyte compresses it and then decompress, I don't know all that stuff. Um, so basically, at, at, a, at a campus, say our 945 service, worship happens, all our campuses do the same worship set for one church. Okay, so we do the same worship set. Campus pastor gets up on the stage, welcomes his campus, welcomes guests. Hey, our growth track, uh, you're going to see about that in the video here in a second. It's going to happen today at 6 o'clock at this location. Might give some specific announcements about the growth track. And they're basically waiting for a green light from production, which means the feed has come in, and we've paused it, and we've queued it at the beginning of the video. For us, we do a news package, so that's the beginning of the live feed. And when that green light comes on, the campus pastor knows he's able to finish up and walk off the stage. Hey, check out Highland News. And so we might be 20 seconds behind. We might be a minute behind. Um, I, I would get onto a campus pastor if he was two or three minutes behind. And so it's, it's, it's really live. It's just a little bit delayed. But the DVR factor helps us hit it every single time. And a campus pastor is not watching the clock like, you know, 10, 9, 8. Like he's trying to talk and watch. And like, uh, like, like it eliminates all that. And, uh, and we even uh, we even use that that process for what we call a worship merge because it really doesn't matter at what point in the service we join video. You can join on the first song. You just do the whole service with. Okay, so when we do a worship merge, what we'll do is the campus pastor will go up after the first song, but at the broadcast location, nobody goes up. So the campus pastor, after the first song, is welcoming his campus. Nobody is doing that broadcast. So every second that campus pastor is doing his welcome, we're getting behind live. Okay? And so then at the end of worship, they're two minutes ahead now. So the computer has the end of worship. They back it up to the clapping of the last song and they pause it. He, we know we're two minutes behind because every second he's on the stage, he knows he's buying enough time. So he doesn't even have to be up there very long. Praise and go back and worship. At the end of worship, when people are clapping, we bring up the video on the screen and the audio from broadcast because it's the crash out point. Everybody's clapping. Pastor is like, hey, church, we just joined all the campuses. And he maybe gives a ministry thought of scripture. Let's sing that song together, one church, one time. Let's go. We go back into the song. The worship team here at the campus is playing with a video. And the, and the audio guys mixing the live team in with the video, and you're hearing the worship leaders on this stage mixing with the worship leader coming through the video, and it's amazing. 
and all because of the BBR capability of the, of the system that we use. So, beautiful thing, technology keeps helping us uh, in that area. We'll go for another, what do I have, 10 minutes? In my reader feed my watch. Yes, sir. What's the training process for your campus specialist? Great question. The training process. Uh, our training process is completely in-house. We've, we've uh, never hired outside of Church of the Highlands, ever. Um, it's all through relationship. It's all in-house, sons of the house. And so our, our training process actually starts with a growth track. When you come to Church of the Highlands, you're going to hear about a growth track. We're going to launch on the dream team. As you serve on the dream team, the cream rises to the top. People get noticed. Leaders show out. Like you start to notice, and okay, okay, here we go. And we start identifying them. Hey, you have a call of God on your life for ministry, or thought about ministry, and, uh, and so they'll just kind of get developed that way. And, uh, and then we'll we'll start moving them into director positions. And as volunteers, typically, and the ones that we feel like, okay, this guy is definitely going to be a campus pastor in a few years, um, we would move into those director positions. We have now what's called an evening, uh, which is a program where adults that work full-time jobs can come at night and get their ministry training, so that would be the final step for us um, for that process. But you don't have to have that, but that's, that's kind of our, our journey and uh, pipeline. Yes. Okay, the, the, the fastest we've ever launched a campus from the first, hey, we need a campus, to launch day was six weeks. Um, it was in the city, it was, by, it was nearby our largest campus, our broadcast campus. Through the summer, we were in overflow and we were like, oh, we have to do something. We found an elementary school. We had to rent everything because we couldn't, we couldn't order the equipment. You can't get a sound system in six weeks. So we rented everything, launched the campus in six weeks, and over time bought the equipment needed. We've, we've not done that since. Um, and, uh, and, and really the longest we've ever projected out of campus uh, would be about a year. Because you can actually lose momentum just like a church planner. You can start talking about it too soon, start building a team too soon, and then they're in the city and they don't even have a church to go to, and that gets messy. So uh, uh, typically we're in, the, in kind of what we're doing right now, we just announced two weeks ago for February 4th. And, and so that's, that's kind of our, our timeline. And, and as far as launch meetings go, we treat a, a campus like a church plant. So this Sunday we're gonna have our first interest meeting for this new campus, it's an hour away. So we are sent. We already sent an email last week inviting any app, email, any email address that's ever been in our database from from 20 minutes from us all the way east to the east coast. So people in Georgia are getting invitations to come to this because we just don't know where they live, uh, if they've moved. So we're just letting everybody know about the interest meeting. We'll have an interest meeting this Sunday, and at the interest meeting, I'll explain what it means to be on the launch team, which would mean they would have to go through our growth track and get on our dream team, and those meetings will start. Uh, in uh, October. And so uh, we, we still do an interest meeting and then we start launch meetings. And launch meetings are for the people that want to serve on the team. So they're going to volunteer. Um, so at the interest meeting, we'll probably um, have a couple hundred more people than are actually like, yeah, I want. They, there's going to be people showing up that they just want a church in their city. Yeah. They're not necessarily going to um, be on the team and volunteer. What kind of relation to your global director and then your local directors of the different positions, what kind of autonomy is there 
Like, for example, uh, does every worship team play the same set, or does each worship pastor have to say so? Same thing with student ministry. Yeah, every, every, everybody, the vision is so clear, yes, every worship leader does play the same set. However, that day, the worship leader might have been sick, and then there's not a vocalist that can sing that particular song. They do have a little bit of autonomy in an emergency to fix something, and that's all game day decision. And so they do have a lot of autonomy if something goes wrong. Um, but the intention of it is to be very uniform uh, and very unified that we would be one church. Um, I, I do, I forgot to tell you guys, and I want to say this before anybody else uh, leaves. Every, every, every launch that we've done the last couple of years, we have the entire budget, every, everything purchased and where we purchased it from in an Excel spreadsheet at growleader.com. And so our, our campus structure that I just shared is at growleader.com. Anything that we have on multi-site, you can just search multi-site at growleader.com and you'll be able to find those documents. And you do have to join Grow, which is completely free. You create a login, then you go to the resource side of Grow, and that's where you search for those documents. So anything we have on multi-site, most of which was created by this man right here, Jordan, uh, is all on there. Like you can see how many trash cans we bought for uh, Tarrant High School to open up church. Like where we buy our trailers from, where we get our family equipment from, like all that's on there. And you'll, you'll, you'll be able to have access to the org charts, all that. And not just multi-site, anything at Highlands is all available on there. Let's do one more question, and I'll let you guys go. Yes, sir. Uh, it was actually a very good question. One of the world resources that I'm doing all the time, does it also have a checklist of what the candidate has supposed to have, you know, what you guys are looking for? I'm quite sure you guys check off what they have. Like what we're looking for in the leader himself? Yeah. No, that's all organic. That's all led by, by me and my team. Yeah, so that's very relational. Yep. I'll take one more question if that was fast. Often does your local, your campus uh, directors meet, direct a weekly meeting with those Yeah, so, so from small, like small. So ideally, every campus has a weekly staff meeting. So that's the campus pastor and there's seven directors. Ideally, those seven directors would also go to central. So all the worship leaders will get together and meet with the worship leader for the whole church once a week. Even the volunteers? No, because they have jobs. Right. So if they can, and some of them take a day off work to go to that meeting. So that's totally fine. Directors can go to those meetings weekly if they can, if, they, if their job would allow them to. Um, but but then um, the, the other meeting that has been extremely helpful for our campus culture is we, we, got, we have about 30 teams per campus. Those are the teams that you have in your church. Ushers, greeters, smaller leaders, worship, kids. Okay, so all those teams have a captain. We, we, we gather those 30 people once a month with the seven directors and the campus pastor. That's like an all-staff. We call it community night. So that's like the all-staff for the campus because those are all, all volunteers. All 30 of those people are volunteers. So we do that typically on Thursday or Friday night once a month. That's been great for culture. Uh, in our campus.